Welcome everyone to the podcast where we geek out about B2B marketing and all the important things and factors that go into it. And today we have a very special guest, Michael Baer, who is a fractional CMO, and he works with all kinds of ABM B2B marketers. And it's got a lot to say. In fact, one of the things we're going to talk about is what he wrote and why in his article about just calling your content marketing thought leadership doesn't make it so. And why his opinion that content in an ABM B2B world is like oxygen to the business. So, Michael, I'll let you take it away. Well, thank you very much. And it's great to be here, Steve. Uh, so I think what you're saying is what the heck is a fractional CMO or what is a full C-suite uh, fractional consultancy? Uh, so my, my background is I've had over 30 years of marketing experience. I've been a CMO at uh, a, a variety of uh, B2B uh, B2B-based companies and have pivoted to be uh, a fractional CMO, which means uh, I'm called upon by companies at, at, at different stages of their uh, trajectory to plug in and essentially play marketing leader <clears throat> at points of change uh, and when they need it, uh, but at the scale and size that they need as well. It's sort of a Goldilocks solution. You know, it's just right, meaning uh, often early stage companies either don't have the funding or even more so don't really need a full-time C-suite executive. They may not, you know, need uh, a 24-7 uh, CMO, CFO, etc. But they know <clears throat> they know they need that expertise, either situationally, like when they're about to try to uh, raise capital, or to just build uh, build the groundwork, build uh, build at least the foundation for marketing or, or other, uh, other capacities. And so I will often be asked to come in and either be the first CMO or, or plug in to a company that has some marketing, but hasn't really developed it from the top down any, in any kind of visionary way. Um, or frankly, I've, I've worked with billion dollar companies and, um, and helped, overcome specific uh, situations, challenges, um, uh, projects. Um, so, so again, across the spectrum. Um, my company has, as you mentioned, the full C-suite. So, um, in, in fact, we began as Tech CFO because 20 years ago, uh, our brilliant founders recognized that uh, many, many uh, early stage companies, especially tech companies, um, would be built by, you know, a brilliant entrepreneur, a, a genius engineer, somebody who had a great product idea. And th those folks would build a team that would be, you know, scrappy and smart and, uh, you know, get somewhere, start to get somewhere, but they realized they didn't have that CFO to help them develop a cap table or, or lead a, a capital raise 
uh, and and had experience at those various important points of inflection, and so they would, uh, you know, they needed this idea of this fractional CFO, and this, and so for ten years, you know, our CFOs would get embedded in companies, and CEOs would say, "Gee, I really like the way this works. Do you have a fractional CMO, or do you have a fractional CTO, or something?" So we built out the practice to include all of, uh, you know, pretty much the entire C suite. Well, you know, what's what's interesting about the fractional perspective is that you get to see and understand and work with a number of different B2B companies. And so one of the things I wanted to ask right off the bat is when you're brought in, what are the what are the problems you're typically asked to be solving? And are those the problems that you ultimately are solving? Or are you expanding their definition of their problem and what they're trying to do? That's a great question. And I think the answer is, you know, all of the above. <laughs> um, you know, often the need is not well-defined. You know, sometimes companies, mo most times companies don't necessarily know what they don't know. They know that they're, they, they need help. Um, you know, so sometimes it's literally, uh, you know, I'm working on a, a project now where I'm literally the first marketing person to touch this company. So they know, you know, we need to begin to build, we need to build, begin to build our, you know, our market, our, our, our outward external facing, we need to build our, our story, we need to begin to drive inbound demand, we need to create uh, tools for, you know, customer or patient onboarding, et cetera. So, you know, they, they know that. And so this is a comprehensive, let's take a look at this company and begin, and we need to start somewhere. And often, you know, that's, an, that's another conversation, Steve, but often it's like, Hey, look, let's, let's, let's do one thing at a time. At least let's, you know, rather than try a shotgun, let's, let's, let's be precise and begin somewhere and then build from there. But, but that's, that's, that's another, that's another conversation. But but other times, you know, you're brought in because, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of growth and the folks dealing with things are straining. And maybe this, you know, the, the chief revenue officer is also in charge of marketing. And, you know, whether or not that's a strength of theirs or not, they're also, you know, driving pipeline and trying to close deals. And, and they're actually beginning to do some marketing and they just don't really know how to how to create uh, cr create. Structure, uh, um, purpose be more intentional around it. It becomes, you know, it's mostly a transactional or tactical kind of approach. So they, they know they need some sort of leadership to help drive things. Um, you know, but sometimes it's like, Hey, we don't have enough demand. And then, you know, I'll go in and, and recognize there are other issues that are maybe in the way of just driving pipeline. And I would, I would say to you that almost always there's some sort of um, uh, uh, lack of clarity around uh, who your customer is, what their needs are, and what what the what the promise is that you really are 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 building. And so it, it almost always starts with some work uh, in the area of customer focus, brand storytelling. Um, and I know there's this like this great, you know this great debate between brand and you know growth and there there are these two different sides of uh, you know and and look we don't have time to build our brand we we just need growth and I, you know i'm here to tell you and i'm i'm hoping you're going to nod uh, not along with me but 
you know, they're not two, two separate things and you can't grow without, uh, you know, the right idea of who you are as a brand and what your story is and what you're promising. Uh, and that all, of course all starts with the customer. Customer I mean, understanding. I mean, I think it was Gartner that recently wrote about that the transition of the CMO to be the more of a, a chief customer officer, right? That the ultimate focus and a reliance on somebody internally having to be the voice of the customer and <clears throat> representing them in everything that they do. So it's interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of what you're talking about here is the foundation before the actual execution, right? So when you actually start rolling the campaigns out and you and I were talking before we hit the record button um, about content and its importance in, in marketing the business um, and portraying the brand. What, just tell us a little bit about what you think about the importance of content and, and how you think about it and deploy it and recommend it to your clients. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we use words that become like almost meaningless because they're just thrown around everywhere. And, you know, content probably is one, you know, are we talking, you know, emails? Are we talking, what what, what are we really talking? But, but at the end of the day, I do think content is, is the oxygen for any B2B brand. Um, and, you know, you talked that you, you said campaigns and like, I almost don't even want to think in terms of campaigns. It's about what is the customer's inner, inner, you know, interaction with your company? How do they, you know, customer journey and how do they shop a category and how do they interact with you as a brand? And that tends to be or, or should be the content that you create that helps them begin to think about you as a potential solution to their problems. Um, and, you know, content people, you know, people probably think it's, it's a, it's a, it's shorthand for, I don't have money to spend on paid media. So let's just write some stuff. Uh, but you know, content at the end of the day, isn't cheap. You know, it requires re a lot of resource time at a, at, at a minimum. And then also, obviously there's, there's, you know, cost to, to, to implement it, but but I, you know, I, I hope that people aren't thinking content is a shortcut. Well, and I mean, traditionally, the way that things work is, you know, marketing tries to create these MQLs, right, that then are qualified and ultimately, you know, turn into an SQL. But how do you get MQLs? You get form fills, right? You get, you know, and people that are desiring content. And I love the analogy because it evokes so much emotion that the content is the oxygen, that you breathe, right? It is your introduction. It is the reason why somebody wants to start engaging and interacting with your company before they even know that they need you as a solution, right? You know, right, this right. is bringing you top of mind with buyers because not every buyer is in the, in the market. So when you talk about that customer journey, maybe... Tell us a little bit more about this, this idea of content as oxygen and how it's used across the customer journey. Because I think there's there's use cases all along, right? That oxygen is needed at every level. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, your point is dead on that. I think it was Gartner as well that said 95% 
of your customer base when you're interacting or engaging with them the first time is 95% are not in market, which means they're not shopping. They're not, it's, it's in the back of their, their minds, if at all, uh, you know, your solution. Um, so you have to begin to just get on their radar somehow. And how do you do that? It's by caring and knowing and demonstrating about, you know, validating your expertise in areas that they care about. So again, it always starts with the customer. What are their, uh, you know, what are their interests? What are they feeling a need to keep up to date on? Uh, how do they stay ahead of their own co competition or, or stay valuable to their own company? Um, and then, you know, what might be lurking in the back of their minds that you could trigger that gets them either a little itchier about thinking about a solution or gets them wondering if they currently have, a, you know, the right systems or products or, or solutions. So, so, you know, it starts with the, you know, it always starts with the consumer. So, you know, I guess if you, if you want to use the analogy of oxygen, it's kind of breathing a little um, oxygen onto that, pilot light to, to, to make it a little warmer, make it a little more of a, a fire. And, you know, something you didn't say and what you were just talking about there, which is very, very important why you didn't say that, is all the reasons you just gave for those 95% of the people that are actually not in the market to buy right now is if your content then is 95% about product and features, you know, feature benefit. And that's going to be white noise to them because if they're not in the market, A, content then has to be a, the long game, right? Marketing is the long game, you know, because you don't know when they're going to be in the market. But then if you're only hitting them with things that matter at the, at the, the tail end of the buyer's journey, where they're trying to decide amongst the consideration set, what do I do? If that's what you keep hitting people, 95% of the people with, it's just going to go, they're just going to delete, right? They're just, it's just, it's right. going to be wasted effort on them. And, but that's, I think the conundrum. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I talked about a shortcut before it's, it's, it's absolutely not a shortcut content marketing. I mean, the thing is most people to your point do make, you know, use it as let's just put an ebook up there or a white paper, get it, get some MQLs, get some downloads and then hit them with sales messages. And, you know, that's 99% like, you know, likely to fail. Um, you know, you'll get some, you'll get a couple of wins out of it. So, you know, it's not a hundred percent, but to, to, you know, uh, you know, uh, understand content marketing is to see it is a little bit the long game. Like you said, it is a build over time, but it's also a, a responsibility. You, you take responsibility to, you know, use this power wisely by, you know, adapting to your customer's uh, timetable and cadence and needs versus, you know, it's just like, it's whatever, it's like dating or something. You don't meet somebody and say, let's get married, you know, or let's, right. will you go out on a date? It's like, do you like me? Do we understand each other? Do we have the similar, you know, values? Can you, whatever, see yourself talking to me further. And, and, you know, if you're not in the market, you're essentially not ready to get married. And so jumping in with buy this product too early, it's, you know, at, at least off putting and at, at worst, you know, you get canceled as a company who I don't want to do business with. And something that you said there, I love the, the dating analogy 
because you tend to date people that you're compatible with, that you're like mind with. And a gentleman that was on our, our last episode of the podcast talked about, you know, marketing, a big part of what we do is to really extol what we believe, right? What's our point of view in this industry? And we're going to attract people that that are like us, right? And that's the kind of like that dating, right? You're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to be on the opposite side of the, the political scale, you know, spectrum and date the same person, you know, and it's, we tend to have relationships in business and, and professionally with those that we are feel like we're of like mind with. And, Definitely. and that's, I think, you know, when you talk about building that relationship, that's, that's what came to mind. But tell me a little bit, you've got a, you've written a lot. You, you've published, I think, 40 different articles just, uh, just in, in MarTech publications. But one of them was interesting. And I, it, the, the, the title, and I love it because I know you did this because it's intriguing, but it's true, right? And literally just calling your content marketing thought leadership doesn't make it so. Tell us well, what's what's the the idea behind that 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 headline in that article that we need to learn. Well, I think there's a lot of misconceptions and or you know purposefully fu- purposeful fudges of, around content marketing. I have to tell you a funny aside. Uh, I I was working as fractional CMO of a company. Uh, that wasn't really doing a lot of marketing or almost any marketing, but there was somebody I was told to meet uh, who was leading lead gen. So in my mind, I'm thinking lead gen, okay, they're building, you know, gated assets that, you know, get, or, you know, and what it was they were calling lead gen was product heavy outbound emails to a list of people who hadn't opted into anything. I'm like, okay, so lead gen, and you know, they would send out, I don't know, 10,000 emails and get a lead, two leads. I mean, I was like, this is not lead gen. And it's like, you're turning people off. I think the same thing about content marketing, you know, we're doing content marketing and it's an email that says, you have this problem. We have this product. Um, That's not content marketing. So, you know, I was talking about basically, you know, the way I approach marketing, content marketing, which is, again, start with your customer, understand that customer, uh, understand the things they care about, like I was saying before, the things that they are important to them. Uh, and, the, you know, understand the things they read and, and are, are seeking to, to learn. Um, and so that's why, you know, any content marketing plan needs to begin with personas. You know, it's, uh, you know, sounds silly to say, of course, you know, everybody's going to say, yes, of course, but I would guarantee nine out of 10 uh, don't, you know, and and that persona needs to really, again, understand, uh, you know, their challenges, their needs. And then of course, how your product category fits into that, um, you know, and then the role your content will play. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, some, some, some pundit who talks about beginning with a, a, a content mission, you know, what, what, you know, everybody's doing content. So what's the mission of your content? And that should be, you know, and, and, oh, by the way, you know, to say you're doing content marketing, isn't a bad thing if it's not elevated to the point of quote thought leadership, 
it's a it's a good start. It's just thought leadership begins to create. You know, it's 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 saying a it's you know I'm I'm really about my audience. I'm uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm I, I have a new and novel take to it. I'm not just curating what already exists and saying the same thing. Uh, and it, and it demonstrates your, your very relevant expertise in areas that they care a lot about, you know, so I think it, it, it needs to start with the customers so be, you know, develop personas. Uh, it, 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 it's critical. You create a, a, a journey, uh, some sort of journey map that says, this is how this person uh, engages with your category, shops for solutions in that category, um, and and the the various steps they take, content they engage with, and again, what the role of your content at each phase of that journey is, because uh, it will evolve. Um, and then and then very critical, and I thought this with regards to the thing you mentioned about who was on your podcast last week is create content pillars, and what I like to do is you know, build a Venn diagram on one side being what's critical, you know, the critical key, you know, aspects of your, your brand, you know, what are the things that you care about and, and are, you know, demonstrably different about your brand. And then on the other side, of course, what are the key needs and, and what's important to your customer and where that overlap is. So you talked about, um, you know, this person who, who says their content needs to be about showing what, what, you know, why they exist or what they care about. That's a huge part, but it has to align with what the customer is. There's that overlap. Otherwise, you know, I've, I, I've written before about, you know, your company purpose. If your company purpose isn't built around what others care about, you know, you could be waving a flag, but you got no one following you. So, so it's important to make sure you develop those content pillars around that overlap between, you know, your 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 beliefs and your what's important core aspects of your brand and those those needs of your customer. So, and I ask you a question about the intersection of two things: a company's brand, right? Their promise, their trust mark, their content. Now, it's been written up quite a bit that. You know, we just talked about it. We're we're writing for people that are they're they're trying to learn, they're trying to be educated, they're trying to stay ahead in their industry that may have nothing to do with your specific product or your technology or what you are doing. And so part of do you agree with this statement or do you disagree and why? Part of your brand is your unique point of view. Mm -hmm. on the industry, which is a huge part of your thought leadership strategy. Because you can read and read and read all the studies about the, the B2B buyers. What they want is they want their companies and their salespeople to be industry category experts, trusted advisors, right? That means that they have a bigger idea and perspective of how this industry is and how that company they're talking to, that prospect, that lead, what their opportunities are. So how important is thought leadership and the company's brand itself? Uh, I, I, well, I agree with what you said. And to answer the question, um, yes, point of view is 
is very important because one, it makes for better content <laughs> to have a point of view versus right. just expository, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but two, and I'll flip it almost upside down. I think the point of view you have on the category should absolutely shape the solutions you have created. In other words, if you believe the, you know, the, the category is broken and needs something, then your solutions will clearly be demonstrable. They are different or, or uh, solve some key problem that you believe is, is face the industry is facing. Um, and in fact, having a point of view that isn't manifested in actual products or services is worthless. Again, you can, you know, this is why I think greenwashing exists. Companies go out and say, we care about X or Y, you know, reducing our carbon footprint or whatever. And they still make plastic bottles of X, Y, and Z. Like you can say anything, you can have a point of view about anything, but unless it's then the why, you know, the classic, the why that you exist, thus then create solutions to attack that. Um, it's going to be meaningless. So all the way through to, so then should you be, you know, writing about content marketing about your point of view? Absolutely. Because it's almost in a way your why, why do these things even exist in the first place? Why had we created, you know, something in fact, so I'll give you an example. I'm working with a company that is, um, that, that works in the ultrasound product area. And, you know, we're developing some content for, department heads of, you know, certain departments, you know, and, you know, what we recognize is these people are key buyers of ultrasound products, but they have all kinds of different challenges. You know, they've, you know, they've got to motivate their staff. They've got to, you know, that, you know, their staff is made up of doctors who are, you know, smart and passionate, but also stretched. And then it's also, you know, they're also dealing with the administration and they have budgets and, you know, need to demonstrate ROI and it's tough to ask for, you know, so we understand these challenges. Um, but what we're, you know, we're developing some content to say, hey, guess what? The price of this unit is only one aspect of the value and the cost. You need to rethink cost because um, because there are hidden costs with regards to buying the raw ultrasound. And there are also hidden or missing ROI drivers like revenue opportunities, but you're not thinking about it that way. So this is like a point of view this company has about that's why they've developed these solutions, but it's the content marketing has to, it's it's got a point of view, but it also, the, it, it, the, the goal of it is to almost grab these folks by the lapels and say, you didn't think of it this way. It's almost a behavior ch trying to change some behavior. So it's 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 a high bar, but it's also um, it's easy to do when it's really you know deep in your DNA as a company. Well, but if not all their competitors are talking that way, but they're adding that kind of value, and they're saying, you know, really, there's there's three other considerations you need to be thinking about, right? When you're making an important decision like this, um, right? That is good. So if you like, if you just had, and if you could just break it down for us, what is your definition, and what is the difference between thought leadership and content marketing? Well, I mean, I, I was leading to it before, where. I was saying, what are the most important aspects of your content marketing? So, you know, first of all, it's got to be audience focused, customer focused, and not company or technology focused. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, 
we all recognize that marketing is a commercial enterprise and that we're all in sales. You know, at the end of the day, our job, our role, our drive needs to grow the company by, uh, you know, increasing uptake of the products and services. And so I'm not hiding that, but, it, but, but content has to elevate above that to engage someone, you know, beyond the actual products and services you sell, at least initially. Then of course, it connect that story you're telling, whether it's over time or, you know, you know, within, within the conversation uh, to, to connect the solutions you have to this conversation uh, that's non-branded initially. So, you know, one is thought leadership has to be about the cu the customer, the audience, their needs, their understand, you know, their, their, their challenges um, and understanding of what they really are interested in. Um, and then the second thing, and I mentioned this is, as well, it's got to have some novelty uh, or uniqueness or, as you called it, point of view. Um, otherwise, if you're just saying the same old spin, um, maybe it gets you in, maybe it gets you into the, the ballpark, but it's not going to bring you, bring you home, so to speak. Yeah. In fact, um, um, most, most buyers, B2B buyers, um, don't think like 70% of them think that the thought leadership content that they read isn't worth their time reading it and the sellers in the same way. Right. So, you know, I love that you wrote you wrote that article with a lot of emotion in terms of, okay, I need this thing called thought leadership, but just calling my content thought leadership isn't going to get it done, right? Because thought leadership content can be a lot harder. As companies, we know all about our products, right? We know, I mean, we could we could talk ad nauseum about our products and that's, uh, you know, our technologies and that's that's our comfort zone. Right. But thought leadership can take us out of our comfort zone. Right. Yeah. And having sure. that point of view and having it be unique and and having it meaningful. Right. So that's I, my own personal view is that's why a lot of thought leadership content doesn't get created. Or when it does get created, it's not very good because it almost takes an expertise that most companies don't have or haven't put a lot of time and effort into it. And that's understanding the industry and the trends and the thought, thought leadership that's happening. And what's the point of view already? What are the luminaries in the industry saying? You know, how is it molding and, and affecting where's this industry going to be in two years? You know, those are the kinds of things that are, you know, fantastic for thought leadership. And so I, I just love that you called it out that like, it's a very different thing, in fact. It, yeah. But it's blended. I, would you agree that most companies wouldn't really know the difference between thought leadership and content marketing? That it's all just kind of part of content marketing, right? Yeah, I would agree. I think you know, I, you know, I've been at companies where people say, "Yeah, we've got a thought leadership plan," and it really is just a different way to distribute brand, pro, you know, product and brand content. Um, you know, having said that and i do obviously agree that thought leadership when done right is content marketing you know to the nth power it's much more powerful and much more uh, effective and also more harder to do but i do think it's it's also probably just a part of your content marketing programming meaning 
if you've plotted the customer journey, there are moments to have conversations about your product Absolutely. and how it solves things and compare it to Absolutely. others and 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 show you know show how current customers have you know you know enjoyed it in case studies around their successes these are all obviously product kind of brand kind of things but but that's part of a thorough content marketing program as you get move through the purchase journey or down the funnel or and such so uh you know so i i think you're right it's just blurred that people think all of it's thought leadership um or, or that any content marketing is thought leadership and it, and it is not so michael if you had words of wisdom for the senior marketing people and CEOs that are watching this podcast now, what kind of wisdom based on all your experience would you want to want to leave us with here? Wow. That's heavy. <laughs> I teed it up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you also said watching, are they watching or just listening? Uh, either way, uh, this is both uh, on YouTube and uh, over traditional audio podcast channels. Got it. Um, you know, I think I'd say some maybe classic aphorisms, which you've heard a lot, which is, you know, know your customer, understand them, be customer focused, not technology, not product, not solution focused. Um you know, that's, there's no substitute for that. You know, that will drive everything you do say, it'll drive your pitch decks, it'll drive your salespeople, it'll drive uh, your capital raises, it'll drive, uh, you know, obviously every bit of marketing you do, because without it, your, you know, your message falls cold. Um, you know, secondly, I would say, you know, beware of shortcuts, uh, everybody's looking for the fastest way to X or how can I tweak my growth marketing program to get, you know, to, to, to drive, you know, to drive growth rates. How do I, you know, and how can I use lead gen to increase pipeline? And I think you need to, you know, you need to be more methodical, more rigorous and know that true long-term growth is requires a foundation and a plan and you know may may take time to build over time and then the third thing i would say especially to 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 um early stage companies and what i find is um so many of them try to do a million things uh you know you'll you'll look at websites you'll look at marketing decks you'll look at set pitch decks that say you know we're good for uh you know, these people, these people, or these people, or these people, uh, you know, start with one, start with some fundamentals, build a foundation and grow from there. So if talking about content marketing, uh, if that seems daunting, well, you shouldn't do everything at once. You shouldn't be on every platform. You shouldn't, uh, you know, do webinars if you're strapped for, you know, manpower and resources. Start and build and scale from there, um, you know, frittering your energy and your resources and your time uh, across too many, too many dis disparate, uh, disparate directions is also a recipe for not having any impact anywhere. 
Well, Michael, thank you very much. I'm definitely uh, taking away a lot from this conversation. And I actually have been in this business for a long time. And I never thought of the idea of content as oxygen. And, and I just think that's just rich in its analogy. And I don't believe that most B2B companies understand that content and being a content producer and publisher is one of their core comp needs to be one of their core competencies. And so I think that that kind of just underlies that in terms of you have to have it to breathe. <laughs> so right. thank you very much for coming on board. And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, where do they get a hold of you, Michael? Uh, shoot me an email at michael.bear at techcxo.com uh, or link in with me. Love to uh, love to speak to any of you and or uh, connect. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you, Steve. Great talking to you. All right. So I'll just I'll cut there. That was fantastic. That was great. Awesome. It's, you know, I didn't I didn't know we were also supposed to be looking at the camera. I hope I wasn't. Oh, no, don't worry about it, because it, <laughs> it just showed you were very deep in thought in what you were saying and very intentional in what you were saying. So, uh, yeah, no, no worries. Everything went everything went perfect. It's fun. It's fun to kind of geek out about what we do on a regular basis, you know, and and just in and riff and talk on it a little bit. But hey, that was awesome. I enjoyed it, too. Well, fantastic. Well, give me a few weeks, but I will send you a link and I will send you, uh, you know, you know, social posts and different things that you can share and uh, and we'll make the most out of it for sure. Great. Looking forward to it. All right. Good, Have good a meeting, day, you. Michael. All Thanks right. for coming. Take on. care.